What's going on, Church on the Hill? How y'all doing? I am so excited to be here tonight. I just thank God for the opportunity that uh, Lady Jamie and Pastor Adam have afforded to me. I know people don't have to invite you, especially to come and speak to your flock and to do that. And so I'm just honored to be here tonight with you all to uh, share a word. I believe God has given me a word specifically for you all tonight. And we're getting ready to enjoy that. But before we do that, how many of you like stuff, free stuff? Well, I brought a few items, and I will have some of these available at my table, but I bought a copy of My Best Year Ever, 12 Lessons to Help You Make This a Year to Remember. How many of you want to make this a year to remember? Just one person, two people? I also have a copy of Life in Balance, What Do You See When You Look in the Frame? And this is a message that I brought last October at Oak Gardens Church, and it's talking about how to have a life in balance. How many of you like balance? Cool. And the last thing I have here is one of a copy of my action guide and journal, my to achieve list, how to plan your day and conquer your year. How many of you ready to do that? Well, I want to give a few of these away. Do we have anybody who has a birthday today? Really? Okay, come on up. One person, she has a birthday. Let's tell her happy birthday. Yay. Two people, you have a birthday too? Come on up, sweetie. You can choose which one you'd like. Righty, thank you. And you can choose which one you want. The journal, okay. And the first person who can use their walking feet, I told uh, Lady J <laughs> Now, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. We don't want anybody falling tonight. The only falling we need to do is falling in love with Jesus, right? All right, all right, all right. So we are getting ready to go into the Word. How many of you have your Bible with you tonight? Yes, your phone counts. You got your Bible. Okay, we're going to 2 Kings. We are going to 2 Kings chapter 6. And please stand as we read the Word. I'm kind of old school. As Lady Jamie said, I come from, I'm a preacher's kid, so we always had to stand for the reading of the Word, right? So 2 Kings, we're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 7. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, one day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right then, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. And when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But one of them was cutting a tree. His axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elijah said. And the man reached out and grabbed it. Now, you all may be seated. You all can take your seat. And I want to talk to you tonight from the subject, you're going to get your edge back. Spirit of the living God, we thank you so much for these women that are gathered here tonight, God. God, we thank you so much for your presence dwelling in this place, everything that you're going to do. God, I ask that you speak a word directly to their situation. God, I ask that you take this one word that I have, God, and divide it several hundred different ways amongst everyone, God, and speak directly to their situation. God, I thank you for doing it in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this particular story here we're reading about in 2 Kings, it's a very uh, peculiar story. And as I was reading and as I was praying and asking God, what should I talk about tonight? What do the ladies need to hear tonight? Um, this, this story kind of is a little bit weird because when you look at what's happening before that and what happens after that, it kind of just seems like it's just kind of inserted randomly in the, in the middle of, of all that's going on in that era. And it's a story about a piece of somebody lost the axe head. 
I mean, like, what really? Like, it's just somebody who lost a piece of uh, an axe head and it fell in the water and, and he did, a, you know, he did a little bit of a miracle. But it's in the King James Version, it says the iron swam. And I want you guys to keep that in mind because, again, when we look at this story, it seems a little bit off, but really and truly, this particular story is full of revelation and it's full of prophecy. And in essence, what's happening here is there was a thing called the School of Prophets. And Elijah was the head of the School of Prophets. And so they were growing and they were expanding. And what was happening is they were growing and expanding so much to the place that they were in currently was too small for them. And so some of them got an idea and they said, well, hey, Elisha, you know, is it cool if we kind of get some things together and start building us a new place that can hold us? So Elijah was cool with that. He was like, go ahead. And so he gave them permission. He told them to go down to the Jordan River. And everybody was to get an, get an axe, get a tool, and start chopping down some wood so that they could start building a bigger meeting place. And so they weren't down there loitering. They weren't down there messing around, but they were doing an assignment. How many of you have ever felt like you've had an assignment on your life? And so one of them had a little bit of an unfortunate mishap. One, one of the particular young prophets had a mishap in that as he was chopping down his tree, as he was cutting, as he was working, he wasn't goofing off or any of that, but as he was working, his axe head fell off and it sunk down to the bottom of the Jordan River. Now, why is that significant? Now, what you have to realize is that back in those days, iron tools, they were scarce and they were rare, so they weren't easy to come by. And so they were in short supply, so that particular mishap put him in an unfortunate situation because remember, he was now not able to fulfill his assignment because he had lost his edge. And so he couldn't just stand around and, and, and hold the axe head or any of that stuff, so he had to figure something out. But he was so distressed because not only now did he lose the axe head, but it was borrowed on top of that. Now, everybody say borrowed. Now, me and my sisters, I have three sisters. One of them is here tonight back there. Um, we're very, uh, one of my sisters, we're very close in age. And so what happened was my mom had our sister Yolanda and they told her she couldn't have any more kids. And then 11 years later, she turned around and had my sister Keisha. And then she turned right back around like a little bit later and had me. So we're very close in age. They were like, surprise, I guess you could. <laughs> we were wrong about that. So me and Keisha are very close in age, and people thought all the time when we were growing up that we were twins because my mom would dress us alike and all this stuff, I guess, with that new opportunity that she had. She took the opportunity. We were dressed alike all the time. And so people always thought we were twins, and we wore these little matching outfits. And uh, as we grew up during our teenage years, my sister Keisha, because we were similar in size and all of that, she would take the opportunity to go into my closet unbeknownst to me, and borrow my things. Now, question, have you ever let somebody borrow something and the only way you found out that you let them borrow it was when you ran into them out with your outfit on? And you're like, wait a minute, you have a red top like that? Like, you have, you have a red top? She, she, she was always so stunned and so surprised, like, what, girl? Yeah, I think, you, you, yeah, get, come out the top, come on out the top. So she could never quite recall where she got the shirt from. But by the time she returned it to me, it was in such bad shape. She had spilled stuff on it. I mean, you know, just all sorts of stuff. So I'm like, well, you know what? Just go ahead and keep the shirt. Don't even worry about trying to give it back, whatever. And I think that was her strategy. I think that's how she got my clothes. Has anybody ever had that experience? But what we have to realize is that when we borrow something, we have to return it. When you borrow something, you have to return it, and you should return it in the same condition that you got it in or better. And so it's important to realize that as we look at this example of the school of prophets, the young prophets, they, were, they had an assignment. The place they were in had become too small for them. They were trying to do a good work. Has anybody ever set out to do something, a good thing? And as you're working... And as you're doing that thing, something tragic happens or something puts a, puts a setback in your way where you're, you're like, okay, God, look, I'm trying to do the right thing. You know, what, what's going on with this? But when we talk about 
when God gives us something, we have to look at the value of what God has placed in us and loaned to us to be stewards over. How many of you know that your gifts and talents are not just for you to get the glory, but God has loaned them to you and placed them inside of you for a specific purpose and to move ministry forward. And we've got to realize that God gives us his spirit as a guide and as a teacher so that we can be effective. God gives us that edge, that cutting edge, so that we can be sharp and we can be effective in what he's called us to do. And everything that we have is by the grace of God. And so when God gives us something, just like in Matthew 25, when it talks about the talents, when God places uh, or makes an investment into you, God is looking for a return on his investment. How many of you believe that? God is looking for a return on his investment. So you have to look at the things that God has put you as a steward over and has loaned to you and let you borrow for your time here on earth. Are you, are you using that and are you giving God a return on his investment? He's entrusted us with a gift. And so I want you to just think about what are you doing with what God has given to you? What are you doing with those gifts? And so I want you to say next, lost. Lost. Now it's important to note that if the young prophet had not been working, he would have never lost the axe in the first place. He would, have even, he would not have even had a need to borrow the axe if he had not been working in the first place. I want to know, do you know that it's possible to be doing the right thing and still encounter trouble? As a matter of fact, when you start doing the right thing, that's when you encounter the most trouble. But I've seen just kind of walking with God for a little bit, it's in those times that God will let you lose it. God will let you lose it in order to expand your capacity to trust him for more. God will allow you to lose that thing. Sometimes we start coasting or, or we start getting complacent with, with where we are and we start kind of getting on the roll and God sometimes has to shake us up a little bit. And sometimes we've humanized God with, with what he can do and we don't believe God for bigger and better. How many of you know that a lot of times we can ride on our past victories and our past successes and that's more dangerous than failure? You know why? Because a lot of times when we look at our past successes, we never start to shoot for more. We just keep recalling and replaying our success in the past, and we keep holding on to that, and we never start to shoot for more. And so the thing about it is, is that God will allow you to lose it in order to increase your capacity to trust him for more in your life. How many of you know you don't need faith for what you can figure out? And so losing the axe head wouldn't have been so bad if maybe it would have fell over into the grass or maybe if it would have fell over into the bushes or something like that. But the edge, his cutting edge, fell over into the Jordan River. I want to know, have you ever been in a situation that's so bad that there's no way possible that you could get yourself out of it? There's no way possible that you can get yourself out of it. Maybe if the young prophet uh, could have, maybe if it would have just kind of bounced a little bit, then rolled, and maybe he would have had a chance to catch it or grab it. But it happened so fast that there was no opportunity for him to, to grab it or to try to salvage it or to try to save it. It fell down into the river. It went all the way down. The marriage went down. The business went down. The vision that God gave you and you were so on fire about it went down. The finances, you were, you were thinking that, okay, maybe if I could just do this and do that, but the finances went down. You were the best wife you could be and he still cheated and the marriage went down. Now everybody else around you is still chopping. Everybody else around you is still working acting like everything is all right, looking like everything is all good in their eyes. And the one chance that you had to do the thing you dreamed of doing went down. Now, we have to remember when we look at this particular story, Elisha is a depiction of God. And God was standing alongside you when it went down, when you lost your cutting edge, 
and he was watching you as you stood there in anguish, as you watched your edge go down. Now, what we have to realize is that the enemy is not fighting you for what you lost. The enemy is not fighting you for what you lost. Because some of us are looking at the things that we're losing in our car, our money, or our house, or these things. But he's not fighting you for what you have lost. The enemy's fighting you for your faith. The enemy is fighting you for your faith. That's the commodity. You can't even be saved without faith. So the enemy is attacking these things in your life to get you so off focus about what it really is that he's trying to get. And we think he's after our car. Or, 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 or what? I mean, what is the enemy going to do with your car? No, seriously, tell me. Like, what is he going to do with it? The, we think the enemy's after our husband. Sometimes we don't even want him. We drove around the block three times before we came in the house. We don't even want. What is the enemy going to do with that stuff? I mean, no, I'm serious. Y'all are laughing, but I'm so serious. I mean, it happens. And we think he's fighting us for our stuff. But the enemy is attacking what we can see to try to steal the thing that we can't see. I want to know, are you focused on what you lost? Because I want to encourage you tonight to know that God doesn't need to use anything that you lost to bless you. God doesn't have to use anything that you lost to bless you. And so we have to realize that our faith is the commodity. And, and sometimes we get so off focus and we're looking at everything and we're swinging away at life. And we're swinging at what's not working. We're not hungry for God like we used to be and we've lost our edge and we're swinging. And we're just swinging. Our prayer life is weak if we even have a prayer life anymore. And we're just swinging away. And it's still not working. The anointing is not fresh in our life anymore. But we're just still swinging away. The fire is gone and we're just still swinging away. The dreams that you had and you were so on fire and we're just swinging away. Maybe a hurtful comment that somebody said to you has now turned into a root of bitterness in your heart and you're just swinging away. And nothing seems to be working. And we're relying too much on our old victories. And maybe we've lost our gratitude or maybe even the things that we looked at as blessings at one point. Now we look at them as curses. Maybe those children that you prayed to God for have become so, have gotten so far in trouble that you don't even know if you can do it anymore. That husband that you prayed and believed God for now is a point of daily contention for you. And you're swinging away. And it's not working. And when you keep exerting effort but getting no return on what you're doing, a lot of times that's the perfect place for depression to creep in. And then when depression creeps in, it'll tell you, well, what's the sense in going to church? You start to feel like a fraud because it's like, okay, I'm trying to preach faith to people and nothing's working in my life. I'm trying to encourage somebody and I'm discouraged. What can I tell anybody? Look at all the stuff that's going wrong in my life. Now, I want to know, have you ever gotten so caught up in trying to do a good work that you forget to empower yourself? That you forget to empower yourself. I know for me, there have been many times when I've studied to deliver a message and to deliver a word, but I never sought God for a word for myself. I was so busy praying for other people, I forgot to pray for me. I wonder. Now you see the sharp axe, if you have a cutting edge, when you swing at the tree and you hit it, a sharp edge is going to plunge into the heart of the tree. But if you have a dull edge and you're not praying, and you're not seeking God for yourself, and maybe you're going about your day almost like a robot, and everything starts to become robotic, and all the activity of your day is just this mundane activity. When you begin to hit that tree with a dull axe, 
then if you're not careful, you can literally fly off the handle. How many women have been there? You will literally fly off the handle. I know y'all not going to be for real tonight, but I'm just for real. You need the cutting edge. Now, you don't lose your edge overnight. It's not, you know, you have some catastrophic activity in your life or some tragedy and then, oh, your edge is gone. No, it happens over time. You don't lose it all over, over, you know, at once. And some of us have been dealing with some situations. Some of us have been in some situations for so long that we don't even have the courage to bring it up to God anymore. And we're just like, you know what? Yeah, never mind. And our edge begins to slip away in the mundane activity of life, in the busyness of life, and we're working hard for God, right? We're working hard for God, and we're doing these things. And sometimes we just keep doing that and trying to anesthetize the pain with different things, but we never realize that something is missing. And then there comes a time when you look up and you're running on E. You're running on fumes. When was the last time you sharpened your axe? When was the last time you sharpened your axe? I want you to think about that. Because you have to prepare yourself for spiritual warfare. Because if you think that God is going to just give you a vision and say, oh, I want you to go to the nations and I want you to do this and I want you to do that, and you're not going to be met with opposition from the enemy, you think the enemy's just going to let you win, win the kingdom? No. So you have to make sure you're constantly sharpening your axe and putting on the whole armor of God. Because if you're dull in your spiritual hearing, you will not know how to respond when you're met with opposition. I want to know, are the cares of this world making your acts dull? Are we so caught up in, in all the stuff that's going on and, and, and what's happening and what's not happening that our acts is dull? And instead of taking steps to regain that, sometimes we get tempted to just give it up altogether. But I want you to know, this is the good thing about it, is that God already has a plan to recover everything that you've lost before you even lose it. How many of you believe that? And his recovery plan is tailored just for your situation. I know some of us feel like our situation is so unique and so far out there that God has never seen or heard of it, and it's just all this stuff. You know, we, we do. We feel like that. Like when we're going through something and the enemy will isolate you, and he will have you thinking that what you're going through, God is just somewhere caught off guard, I guess. Like, what? She's going through that? Like, really? What's happening? But God's recovery plan is tailored just for your situation. And I feel led to say this. To somebody, I don't know who it's for, but it is not too late to get it back. It is not too late to get it back. I don't care if the divorce papers are sitting on the table right now. It is not too late to get it back. I don't care if they if pick the car up today. It is not too late to get it back. I don't care what you saw when you just checked your bank account before you came in here. It is not too late to get it back. I don't care what the doctor just told you yesterday. It is not too late to get it back. I don't care how old you are and what you feel like you can't do. It is not too late to get it back. I don't care what you did that you feel like God cannot forgive you. It is not too late to get it back. Everybody say, it's not too late to get it back. It's not too late to get it back. Somebody ought to just believe that tonight. Because the enemy has been lying to somebody and telling them that it is too late. Your time is up. Oh, you messed up big time. No coming back from that. And you're dealing and you're struggling with regret. 
about a situation. I don't know who this is for. I feel this for somebody. This is not even in my notes, but I feel this for somebody. Somebody's been struggling with regret about a situation, and you are punishing yourself for the actions of a person that doesn't even exist anymore. And God is saying it is not too late to get it back. The young prophet cried out. He knew. He cried out to Elisha. He cried out to God because he knew that he didn't have what it took to get it back. He knew that his friends didn't have what it took to get it back. He needed an encounter with God. Some of us are looking for entertainment, but you need an encounter with God. Some of us are trying to look for it in in all these other things, but you need an encounter with God. Everybody say found. Now, this particular story, it gives us a basic action plan when we realize that we've lost our cutting edge. A lot of us are swinging hard at life, but our effectiveness is gone. Working hard. We're showing up, but we're not effective. The anointing is gone. And so the first step to getting your edge back is realizing that you don't have the power to get it back on your own. That's the importance. When we talk about this story that looks like it's just very random, that was the importance of him crying out is that he realized that I messed up. Like, I don't know what to do. I mean, what is he going to do? I mean, what is, I mean, what is he really going to do to try to get it back? He knew that he had no clue of what to do. The first thing he did was he cried out to Elisha. And he realized it was beyond his ability to restore what he lost. And his only hope was in the power of God to do something supernatural. I said supernatural natural because a lot of us are looking at our natural situation and we're trying to rationalize it remember I told you sometimes we try to humanize God and we try to put him in the realm of what we can understand as far as how he's going to do it kind of like Martha did when Jesus when Lazarus had died you know she's like oh God if you would have Jesus if you'd have been here he wouldn't have died do you think Jesus didn't know Lazarus had been dead for like four days already like when they told Jesus initially that Lazarus had died he stayed where he was two more days before he did, so he already knew this. And so Martha tried to humanize Jesus. And a lot of times we do that. We're like, well, God, if it would have went this way, or if my dad would have been in my life, well, who's to say it would have been better? Or if I would just have a relationship, or if I could just get more money or whatever. But a lot of times we, we cannot look for things. Again, we can't look for these things, but we need a supernatural encounter. Some of us have some situations going on right now that money can't even fix. Money is not the thing that you need to fix them. You need a supernatural encounter. Even if you got to go to God 50 times a day. I don't care how many times you got to go to God. Go, because God understands that he knows what you are struggling with. He knows what you're struggling with, and it's God's pleasure to give you strength. It is God's pleasure to give you strength. Some of us feel like we're bothering God or we're ashamed to go before God because we're looking at some of these situations. We brought it on ourselves. Some of the stuff we're struggling with, we brought it on ourselves. But God wants to give you your edge back. He wants to give it to you, but it requires that you stop trying to be at some place and trying to fix it before you go to him. Have you ever been in a situation where it's like you try to fix it up before you actually take it to God? Like, let me just fix it up just a little bit, then I'll take it to God. Okay. Just two people are being honest. But you've got to be honest. And you've got to admit that you've lost it. And the only way that you can get it back is through his power. Do you know when you ask him, he will give it to you? Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? You think God wants you to be stuck in mediocrity or stuck in misery? No. God wants you to prosper even as your soul prospers. And the real power comes when we talk about God's plan for our life. The real power comes is when you realize that your edge is really not gone. It's actually back where you left it. Remember, we were reading in 2 Kings chapter 6, and Elijah came up, and when he hollered out, he's like, Elijah, 
And Elijah, he was cool about it. He didn't make a big deal, any of that. He just said, where did you, where did you lose it? Where did you lose it? He didn't belittle him. He didn't say anything. You know, he didn't tell him, how could you be so careless? How could you do this? How could you do that? How do you lose somebody else's axe? I mean, what? he didn't do any of that. But he just said, take me back to where you lost it at. And do you realize that when you come to God and when you're honest and say, God, I don't know what it is. I don't know how I got here. It doesn't even really matter right now, but I need you. I need you. God will move heaven and earth to put it back in your grasp. And the prophet Elisha, he gave him a very simple command. Go back to where you lost it. There was no belittling, no berating, no nothing, no fussing, no nothing. And that's just how God's grace is, right? You don't have to start all over at the beginning because I know some of y'all are thinking about that. You're like, well, I'm going to have to start all over, and I don't want to start all over. You're thinking about all the time you lost. But do you know that God's grace can make up for any amount of time you feel like you lost due to whatever mistake you feel like you've done or whatever thing you feel like you're going through? God's grace can cover that. You just need to simply identify where you got off track. Was it your communication with God? Did you get lack in, lax in your communication with God? Did the text messages and social media and all this stuff outweigh your prayer time with God? We have to be for real. Did, did a lot of the things that we're dealing with and things that we put as important that maybe God is not really dealing with that? Maybe we put some things out of priority. But you've got to figure out where did you lose it? Where did you get off track? Because I really feel that God is getting ready to do something supernatural in your life. Now, I know there are people that believe that God is not doing miracles anymore and he's, those things are done and this and any other. But I believe that God is getting ready to do something supernatural in your life tonight. As you're sitting here, I don't know what situation is going on back at your house or where, back at your job or wherever it is, but I believe God is going to do something supernatural in your life, but it starts with you believing that God can do the supernatural. Because when we look at this particular story, there is nothing about a piece of iron that says that it should float, right? Everybody knows iron, what it is, how it is. There's nothing about iron that says that it should float, it should have stayed at the bottom. Some of our situations should have stayed at the bottom. Once it's gone, it's gone. That's a fact. It's a factual thing. When we look at a piece of iron, right, it's a piece of metal, it's heavy, and it does not float. That's a fact. That's natural law. But here's the crazy part about that. Yes, the axe would sink in the water. That's a natural fact. But the God that we serve is in the business of making iron float. You see, the fact that the iron would sink, that's a fact. But see, facts can be changed. Facts can be changed. Now, what can't be changed is truth. Because truth supersedes the facts. Oh, I wish I had somebody in here. Y'all don't have to shout me down because I'm preaching real good. But truth will supersede the facts every time. Spiritual law will supersede natural law. Now, if you want me to prove it to you, let's take the law of gravity, for example. It's a fact. We know, everybody knows the law of gravity, right? I'm in the, I'm in the right house, right? Okay. Everybody knows the law of gravity. It's a fact. But did you know that there is a law that is higher than the law of gravity? If you're in the aviation industry, people refer to it as the law of lift. So what happens is, for example, if you take an airplane and you build the wings just right and you make the engine powerful enough and you put everything in place, you can make an airplane fly. Now, does gravity cease to be a fact? No. But the law of lift simply supersedes the law of gravity. So... In the same way that that cancer diagnosis and that debilitating illness is a fact in your life right now, those facts can be superseded by the truth in Isaiah 53 and 5 where it says, by his stripes I am healed. 
Just like your financial situation is a fact right now, you know you checked your account before you, you know you checked the account. Just like that's a fact for you right now, the truth in Philippians 4 and 19 says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I wish I had somebody that gets excited about that. Because the truth cannot be changed. And what's more, if you apply the truth, that's the key. You got to apply it. Now, you can sit here because the devil knows scripture, too. He can read you. He can quote you more scripture than any of us. But you can't just know it and quote it, but you got to apply it to your situation. And when you begin to apply it to your situation, you will be able to overcome poverty every time. You'll begin to overcome sickness every time. You'll be in, begin to overcome depression every time. You'll begin to overcome tragedy every time. Whatever it is, that situation cannot hold you because we serve the one who has overcome it all. And so you've got to apply the truth to your facts today. I know it looks real bad. I know it looks like your edge is never coming back because you can't figure it out. God, how are you going to fix this? Like, how are you going to do this? But God is going to make that thing float in your life that doesn't even have floating capability. Everything about your situation says it should stay at the bottom. But God is going to cause you to get it back again. God is going to cause you to get it back again. Now, again, when I was looking at this scripture... What was interesting to me is when you read it in the King James Version, it says that the iron did swim. Now, I was trying to picture that in my mind, and I pictured like a little Nemo-type looking thing kind of doing this. But I don't think that's really what it meant. Um, my imagination just gets. But in the original language, that word swim means suf. It's T-S-U-W-P-H. It's a Hebrew word. And it means suf. And check this out, y'all. I was This is a tripped out thing about this. Literally, that word swim, when you break it down, it means to overflow or to cause to flow over or to flood. To cause to overflow. I don't know if somebody caught that. I think Lady Jamie caught that. To cause to overflow the iron, that thing that you thought you were never getting back. It said God is getting ready to cause it to overflow, to flood your life. That deficit that you thought you were working with, God is saying, I'm going to give you more than you even require for that thing. God is getting ready to cause it to overflow. Overflow. Somebody ought to just say overflow. Somebody ought to just say overflow. And when you look at Ephesians 3 and 20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Do not get discouraged. If you're discouraged right now, I want you to stop being discouraged. Maybe you feel like you've waited too late. Maybe you feel like you're running out of time. But I want you to delete the imaginary finish line in your mind and know that you are right where you're supposed to be. You are right where you're supposed to be. And that you are going to get your edge back. God is getting ready to sharpen you. God is getting ready to raise you up. God is getting ready to restore what was lost. God is getting ready to do a new thing in your life. I don't know if I have anybody here that wants God to do a new thing. But if you want God to do a new thing in your life, you ought to just begin to thank God in advance for restoring what was lost, for giving you your edge back, for giving you joy, for giving you peace and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Whatever it is that you've been struggling with, whatever it is, I want you to know that God's blessings are getting ready to overtake you and you're going to get it back. You are going to get it back. I wish I had somebody over here that believed they were going to get it back. I wish I had somebody in the middle that knew that they were getting ready to get it back. I wish I had at least two people over here that knew that they were getting ready to give it back. You're going to get it back. 
I don't care if the whole bottom has fallen out of it. I don't care if they told you you'd never recover. I don't care how bad the results were. I don't care who walked out. Because remember what I said, God doesn't have to use what left to bless you because whatever left was not a part of your destiny anyway. It was a part of your history. But God is getting ready to restore what was lost. And all you have to do is do like the young prophet did. When Elijah said, take me back to where you got off track. Take me back to the place where you lost focus. And God did a supernatural thing. And all you have to do is reach up and grab it and take it back. If this message is for you and you feel like you're at a place to where you keep like you're swinging at that thing. And it's not working. And you feel your axe head getting loose. Maybe you feel it's, you're not all the way there, but you feel like it's getting a little loose. Because sometimes we, you know, wait till, the, till we have a blowout. You know, instead of kind of taking the car in for maintenance when we see the tires kind of getting slick, you know, maybe taking it in then. No, we wait and we kind of try to ride on grace and mercy, right? And then we end up having a blowout. But if you, if you feel like you're at a place to where you feel your axe head, your cutting edge is loosening, and you want someone to pray with you, just stand where you are. You don't even have to come down. God knows your situation, and he can come to you right where you are. But I want you to know that you are going to get it back. And whatever the enemy has been telling you, whatever the enemy has been feeding you, whatever lies he has been giving to you, I want you to learn the word. I want you to get in your word. I want you to find that scripture that applies to your situation. If, if you're needing a healing, don't, don't look at financial scriptures. I want you to find some healing scriptures that speak directly to your situation. Or if you're in a financial situation, look at what God is saying about your finances. But look at the promises of God. There are over 8,000 promises in God's word just for you. This isn't a, the Bible is not a book of stories that you just admire and they're interesting to you, but it's God's love letter directly to you, ladies. And I want you to get in that word. And I want you to start applying the truth to your facts. I want you to start applying the truth to your facts. Because some of the things that we've been struggling with, God is saying, you don't have to struggle with that. First Peter 5 and 7, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. I wonder how much of the, the weight and the burden you're carrying is not yours to carry in the first place. But if you want your edge back, I just want you to slip your hands up. I just want you to slip your hands up and be honest. Sometimes our pride can cause us from receiving God's full blessings and receiving God's best because we just won't be honest and say, you know what? I messed that one up. I did. But you are not too far gone to where God cannot recover your edge. God, we need a supernatural presence. God, you know each and every situation I don't know, but you know. You know what they're struggling with. You know what keeps them con condemned. You know what lies the enemy has been telling them. But God, I want you to make yourself real to them in this moment tonight. Let them know that they are not too far gone. Let them know that there is nothing that they can say or do to turn you off from them. Make yourself real to them, God. And show them that you love them with the undying love. That your love for them gets stronger and stronger. God, we thank you so much. Because we are ready to receive, God. We are ready, God.
for what you have for us, God. And we know that we cannot do that, God. We cannot, we cannot uh, reap in tears. God, we've got to reap in joy. And God, I'm asking you to give them their joy back. I'm asking you to give them their joy back, that fire that they once had for you, God. They've been worn down by the cares of life. Renew their spirit, God. Renew their spirit, God. Where they've been hurt. God, where their heart has been broken. Where they've been disappointed. Where they've been betrayed, God. I'm asking that you bind up the brokenhearted on tonight, God. And God, we thank you. God, we thank you. Come on, somebody ought to just begin to thank him tonight. God, we thank you because you're doing it right now. God, we thank you so much for doing it right now. I wish I just had some women that would just cry out to God. I wish I just had some women that would cry out to God. We need you, God. And we thank you. And we thank you, God. Come on and give God a praise in this place. Come on and give God a praise in this house. How many ladies do I have in here that just believe that God is worthy of the praise? That God is worthy of the honor. Oh, he's, it's not just a hand clap, but God is worthy of the praise. And we thank him for restoration. We thank him for glory. And we thank him for what he's doing even now. God bless. Just give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Rachel. We appreciate that. I want everybody to stand, and I'm going to get Rachel to pray one more prayer. And listen, I have, I have the joy of being a part of, you know, getting to, as we serve sister cities, as we serve together. And Rachel has an anointing, but she doesn't stop in a gifting anointing. She applies the word to her life and that's why you see the cutting edge and her anointing and on her city and it's a beautiful thing and, and I just really believe that you did have a word I, I told her so much I said just come and love on our ladies and and just the exhortation do you feel the exhortation that gift that comes thank you so much it's so exciting but I just want to I just want you to lift your hands and receive and you just speak and impart uh, that that just that cutting edge to each and every woman in this room and you receive it tonight amen amen thank you just pray over us Thank you. God, we thank you for your spirit, God. God, we thank you for your presence, God. God, there's no other God like you, God. There's no other God that can deliver like you can, God. And God, we ask that you give us our cutting edge back, God. Take us back to the place where we got off track, God. But God, we're just trusting you, God, that you know all things, God, and everything that's working together for our good, God. Even the things that look like it's against us, God, we know that it's working for our good, God. And God, I ask that broken woman. God, I call, I speak to that broken woman. I speak to that woman that was without a father, God. I speak to that woman. And I let you know today that God is ne will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. I speak to that woman. I speak to that woman that is searching for that void and trying to fill that void in everything but you, God. And I speak to her heart. God, make yourself real to her, God, and let her know that you are her father. And God, there is no human love. There is no amount of human affection that can take the place of you, oh God. God, I speak to that person that's struggling with illness in their body, God. They're struggling with that illness in their body, God, that may have gotten a bad diagnosis, God. But, God, we know that, that you are the God of more than enough. We know that you are a God that heals, and you are our healer, God. And we lay that thing at the altar, God, because we know that any diagnosis, God, when we put it at the altar, that it will be altered. And, God, we thank you, and we speak to her, God. We speak to her and we stand with her, God, as she goes through this. And some days her body is racking with pain, God. And sometimes she lies there in the bed, God, wondering why did you put this on her, God? But God, we speak to her spirit, God, and we, we call it forth right now, God. We call back her cutting edge. 
because we know that this too shall pass God we know that this too shall pass God we know that there's nothing too hard for you God we know that there's no diagnosis we could get there's no report that we could get God that you cannot handle and God I speak to that woman God that feels unloved God I speak to that woman that feels unloved, God. But God, make yourself real to her tonight, God, and let her know that she is loved, God. And that you can love her in a way that nobody else can, God. God, I speak to that woman that's struggling with depression, God. I speak to that person that feels like there is no other way out. I speak to that person that's been contemplating taking their own life. But I decree that you shall live and not die. I decree that you shall live and not die. And when you get on the other side of this thing, you are going to be better than you've ever been. And I decree that you are going to be so on fire for God and that you are going to be so on the move for Jesus. Give them their cutting edge back, God. God, let them know that you can do anything, God. That you can do anything but fail. And I decree it and I declare it tonight. God, we speak the word over our situation. We speak the word over our situation. We speak your promises about our life over our situation, God. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. I wish I had somebody that believed it. We are more than conquerors. And now we walk in it. We walk in it. We walk in boldness. We walk in the fullness of joy that you have given to us. We walk in your glory, God. We walk in your acceptance, God. We walk in your grace, oh God. God, we are no longer condemned. We are no longer condemned. God, you took care of all of that when you went to the cross. But God, we walk in your love. We receive your love on tonight. We receive your grace, God. We receive your mercy, God. And we thank you because you didn't give us what we deserve, God. But you gave us grace and mercy. And we don't take it for granted, oh God. But we will rise up like the women of God that we are called to be. And we will rise up in the kingdom of God, suffering violence and the violence, take it by force. And we are taking back, just like the young prophet did. We're going back to where we got off track, but God is getting ready to do something supernatural and we are getting ready to possess it. We're getting ready to possess what is rightfully ours. We're getting ready to walk in our authority. We're getting ready to walk in our kingdom authority. You don't have to be timid because God has given you authority. God has given you authority. And God, we take back what is rightfully ours.